Welcome everyone to this edition of Stone Sundays, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. I'm your host for today, Trey Hill, joined as always for these editions by my co-host, renowned Sacramento Kings author, Jason Coldiron. Jason, how are you doing today, sir? I'm awesome. I just got home from work like last episode, and uh, this time I did not have a, a battery die nor a catastrophic incident two minutes before the end of my shift it was just a normal day and uh all i got all i had to deal with today was uh at uh the golden one center where the kings play they've got graduations of local high schools and colleges going on this weekend so a little extra traffic but uh among them by the way shout out my alma mater sacramento state they they do their commencement tomorrow whatever they call the N one tomorrow. Did, did, Graduation. How cool, how cool would it be to get to walk in like in an NBA arena for your, for your high school graduation? Yeah, that would be freaking amazing. I can tell you. I did I, it in my little, my little podunk gym, you know, back in, back in my town of 4,000 people. That um, would be, that would be nuts. When I did graduate from Sac State back then we were at the old Arco arena. So uh, when I walked the stage with my cap and gown, when I graduated from Sac State with my bachelor's degree, that was at the old Arco arena. Ah, uh, well, lucky you, man. I I am jealous, but I'm happy for you. Uh, Thank you. I'm doing pretty well myself. Thank you for not asking, jerk. But I was able to have some success on my vape situation. So Ooh, today we will get to start out the show together, sir. And here in just a moment, you and I will both be feeling like felonade, like a felonade. Is exactly how we are going to be. So. Let's right. start the show off with how we how we like to, and then we're going to dive right into tons of NBA draft talk is what we have, but for starters. It's 420 somewhere. Ooh. It's actually pretty close to 420 in the Midwest right now. But all right, so last week, I'm pretty sure it was even on the pod. We were talking about the draft and Wimbenyama, and you said – one of these teams should should trade all of their picks for Wimbenyama. And I said, no, there's no way because that's why you get the picks. You get the picks because you want someone, one of them to become Wimbenyama. But <laughs> a couple days, like a day later, you, you hit me in the DMs and you're like, hey, would you trade Paolo and Fran- Franz for Wimby? And it just kind of spiraled from there. So we decided, like good stoners do, you know, we're high, we're just rambling back and forth. So we're going to go through some deals and figure out if these teams should or should not trade the bank for Wimby. So we'll start off with the one that, that started this all. Orlando, if if they could call up San Antonio and be like, hey, we'll give you Palo and, and Franz for, for Victor, do you think they should do that? Well, first, let me start by prefacing this whole conversation. Like in all of these cases – what a team should be willing to offer up for Wimby. Uh, what we're going to say they should be willing to is not something they would probably ever actually do. And if they did, uh, the Spurs would most likely turn them down anyway and just keep Wimby. That said, generational prospect, second second biggest prospect of my lifetime after LeBron James. Um, and as I said last week, you give up basically whatever you have to to get Wimby. So. Uh, well, I'll put it this way. It, it, if I'm Orlando, I am willing to offer you Palo and Franz and maybe even another pick Suggs or something. Uh, if you're the Spurs, what what's your response when I make that offer? 
if I'm the Spurs, I'm I'm definitely listening because I think Paolo showed he can be a number one option on a title contending team. Like if he reaches his peak, Franz has shown he can be a you know he has the size to be the playmaker. He's what everyone's looking for in the NBA. And if you were willing to throw in Suggs or maybe something else on top of it, Wimby, Wimby is that generational prospect. You're right. So if you're the Spurs, is, that, is, is that enough to make you say, all right, I'm going to give up potentially 10 or 20 years of Wemby and yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to take that? Is that enough? Right, and that's 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 the thing. But right now, Wemby's only playing once every six days. And I'm just – to me, if you can get a guy who is going to be a number one option on a title team that is as young as Paolo is, that's one where I, I consider it. I, I think I'm still – I think I'm taking it if I'm San Antonio. I don't think I'm doing it if I'm Orlando. I don't think I want to give up more. I don't think I even want to give up Paolo and Franz because I'm so high on Paolo. Like Wagner, I love him, but Paolo is where it's at for me. So I'm a no on that one for hey, – Paolo was the number one overall pick last year. This is no small chip here. We're talking about a big deal. You are, There's no shame in saying, no, I'm going to keep that guy. So are you doing it? I think if I'm Orlando, I would make that offer. And if I'm the Spurs, I'd probably still say no. All right. So we're opposites on that one. Well, that was that was the one, like the catalyst. So right. I've okay. got a list of some others before. Okay, we, I don't want to do our teams until the very end. Do you want to okay. do the list? Okay, yeah. So, so I'll tell you as a team what I would offer. And you tell me as a Spurs if you would take it or not. So All right. I'm Boston. I'm going to uh, – Brown's got a contract coming up. So I'm gonna give. I'm gonna we're we're gonna work together. We're gonna do a sign and trade. Uh, so I'm gonna send you Brown and Time Lord. Um, is that enough? And if no, if I added Derek White, would that be enough for you as a Spurs? Definitely not without Derek White. Adding Derek White makes me kind of consider it, but no. Wimby Wimby is just too too good of a prospect. And Jalen Brown, as much as I think he can be the a number two, like a high-end number two on a title team. I don't know that I think he can be that number one. And Wimby's just too – like, he's just too special, and I don't get anyone special enough coming back on that one. Okay. No one quite the level of Paolo on that yeah. one for me. So, yeah, I, I, that's a no-go for me. Okay. I, I agree. If I'm the Spurs, I'd say no, too. And if I'm – but if I'm Boston, I don't know how much more than that I'd give up. So that that's kind of a stuck one. So how about – in the case of if I am Detroit, um, I had a, <laughs> I will not name names, but this week I had a prominent Detroit Pistons fan tell me that they would not give up any of Cade, Duran, or Ivy for Wemby, which was about as Not even one? Not even one of them because they love their core. And uh, again, not to name names, but when I, but when I said that was fucking nuts, they said, I watched every Pistons game last year. How many did you watch? They played that card on me. So they were unwilling to, but anyway, so they were unwilling to give up any of the three. And I said, realistically, I would definitely give up two and quite possibly all three of them uh, if it got me Wemby. So uh, playing the Pistons, I make that, I offer all three of my my promising core here to you as the Spurs. Is that enough to for you to give up Wemby? If I can get Cade and another one, mm. fine. I'll give I'll give you Cade and your choice of Durin or Ivy and something else small. 
What do you say? Oh, probably still no, because Cade sat out with the shin injury. Um, but again, Cade, Cade I, I'm very high on Cade Cunningham, and I'm just as high on Duran. So I I might make this one, but that's because I am super biased, and I love the two guys from Detroit. Just absolutely love the guys from Detroit and think that they can both be high-end starters on title contending teams. Like, I'm very, very high on Detroit. But I think general – no, I don't think the Spurs do that. And if you offer all three, Ivy, Duran, and, and Cade, then at that point it's too much for Detroit. So – for me, yeah, I just I don't I don't think that one works. So for so for me, this is going to be the rare one where, if I am Detroit, uh, if I had to give up all three, but it would actually give me Wemby like that, like we're not no more extras or oh okay, so you're cool with that? Give us a couple extra picks too. If it's none of that, if it's just if it's strictly those three, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. And if I'm the Spurs, I think I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger too. So I think this is a rare one on the list where I think if I'm Detroit, I would make that huge offer. And if I'm the Spurs, this one, I think I would take it. I don't blame you. It's it's it, it's right there. And yeah, I I like that one. What was the next one you've got? That the, the Detroit one I think was my the one I had to think about the hardest. Okay. Well, so next, uh, we'll do one more and then we'll cover our own teams here. So let's say Oklahoma City Thunder sitting on ridiculous number of picks so let's say they're like uh i'll go off this off our script a little bit and tweak this a little what what if they go uh give you our our first team all nba air we'll give you him and what the hell and chet and your choice of say four of our first round picks does that sga and chet SCA Chet and say we'll call it four first round picks to be negotiated. Is that enough to get this conversation going? That's a it lot. Gets the conversation going. It's a I lot. think I, I think I ask for Giddy or J Dub instead. Yeah. Of the picks, I think I want three players. Oh, okay. Instead of the picks, you want another another current guy. Yeah, like Josh Giddy or um, J Dub, the good J, the the better of the Jalen Williamses. And that's a very steep price to pay um, for Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, you can, you might even be able to talk me into letting you keep SGA and giving me Chet, J-Dub, and Giddy. And then you still have Wimbanyama and SGA to build around. And then the Spurs get Giddy, J-Dub, and uh, Chet on top of maybe some picks also. That, that, I think, would probably be more likely just because – Victor, you want like he's coming in as you said, a generational talent, and you want to have some. You want to have some talent around, and you want to have a, if not at least a well-rounded team, a star like SGA. But I think that that's my favorite one so far. Yeah, I think. Um, what about you? Are you doing it? Are you doing it for SGA? Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. Um, I. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder, obviously SGA is amazing. I, I love all the guys they have, but they've got – the cupboard is so ridiculously full that if I'm them, I probably just give the Spurs whatever they want, and I'm still going to have – like if, if if I give them half of my current trove of stuff and I and then I add Wemby to the other half, I'm still going to be so set for a long time. So if, if I'm the Thunder, like what do you want? You want SGA and – 
five picks. Do you want SGA and Giddy and three picks? Uh, the, the trade that I previously proposed, I said, if I'm the Oklahoma City Thunder, I offer the Spurs 10 first round picks. I've got 27 coming over the next five years. I'm I'm offering 10 of them for, for Wemby. And um, if, if he's not worth it, who is? Hey, I so, so I say I'm Sam Presti and I'm like, hey, R.C. Buford there with the Spurs. Wemby's pretty cool. You're set for a long time, but you know what? What if I gave you, what if I gave you 13 first round picks over the next five years for Wemby? Does does that does that get does that get me Wemby? And by, the, have, and by the way, if I'm the you Thunder, you have to get multiple players back. And by it's the like way, if I'm the Thunder get... and I give that up, I've still got like 14 picks and a, and a stacked roster. I can literally give up 12, 13 first round picks and be like, "Yeah, we're cool, we're we're good." If you were ever going to explore trading Wimby, you have to get players back that the team is that going is. to see this season. Because can you imagine that fan base trading away? someone like Victor Wimbanyama and not and like having to suffer for two or three years watching him flourish while those picks come in like that's just okay, that's not let me, that'd be you make a so great point. So, so let me tweak it a little bit I'll give you last year's number two pick Chet Holmgren sim- similar position as Wimby I'll give you him and I'll give you uh one of the Jay Will Williams and eight first rounders I are we? What, how is that? I mean, I don't. I still don't think you can. That's just not enough. It's not enough known talent coming not back enough, for something. Not like enough that. current players. Okay. It's like, like if Chet had played all last year and had put up some good, you know, some really good numbers and shown some flashes. But I mean, the reason I'm a little hesitant on Wimby is the injury because he's so tall, and you know, those guys tend to get injured. Chet's already shown that he, you know, he has gotten injured. So. For me, I, I don't think I'm doing that one. I'm gonna flip it on you. I wanna I wanna hit you with the Kings one first. So okay. I think say the Spurs call and they're like, okay, we want Sabonis, Fox, and Murray. Dang. Dang. Um, if Kings Murray, fans, I, I think Murray had a really good rookie season that was kind of overlooked because Sabonis and Fox got a lot of hype. But I, I think Keegan Murray showed he's going to be like a 10, 12 year vet in this league. And he's, he's just going to be one of those guys who he adds value. He adds wins to teams just year after year. This is going to kill me, but given what we just went through for the last 17 years, where we are now, how this team looks, I'm actually gonna, as representing the Kings. I'm actually gonna gonna say no. And I, I'm actually just gonna a little too steep, right? Be, be, because I said in a group and that I quite controversially that even with everything that Fox and Sabonis just did, that I would trade the two of them for Wemby, and that that took a lot, enough heat on its own. I think if you add Murray to it, then it's just it's just too far gone. So that's yeah. why I, mean, that's that's why I, I didn't it. start with the bonus and because I knew you were just going to be like, yeah, two all it. NBA players, I think is a reasonable offer for any one player. I mean, geez. Let alone someone who's never played a minute in the league. I, yeah. I think that's reasonable. Oh, and I mean, spoiler alert, 
you can offer my entire roster, the coaching, the coaching staff, the front office, the ownership. You can give them the, the freaking arena. You're, I'm trading the whole team for him. I, I love Patrick Williams. I think of him like you probably think of Keegan Murray. I think Kobe White is one of the most underrated young guys coming up in the league. Ship them all off if you got Wimby. Because if you got Wimby, that's all you need to build around. And, like, that's what it is. So, for me, this that was the easiest one. What do the Bulls give up? Whatever, whatever, whatever the Spurs want. Just, just take it. Just take it all. I'll buy that. All right. So, <coughs> to transition from that one to the next one, the other thing I wanted to talk about was we had the lottery and the Spurs won the big, you know, prize. But Portland moved up. And that was a pretty big win for them. They're at three, and the big speculation is that they're going to trade the pick to, you know, gear up for Dame. He's got, like, two years left. You know, what, three, two, three years left, you know, in his prime, prime, before he starts probably going downhill. So Portland has, like, they have to add around Dame, or they have to start looking at maybe trading him. For this exercise, we're assuming that's not an option because it hasn't been an option. So they, if Portland it, is trading. Oh, go ahead. It, the, uh, the morning after the draft, the reports came out that that they're basically not even going to consider taking a player. They're immediately exploring what they can get for the pick. So for this exercise, we're just going to assume that they're going to trade that pick to get better right now. So the reason that the Bulls are the best trade partner for Portland is because right now Portland cannot trade any future picks because Chicago owns the protected rights to their draft picks. So Chicago has the leverage of saying, Portland, you'd like to add things around Dame? How would you like DeMar DeRozan and like Derek Jones Jr., whatever, for the number three pick? But we will also let you, let, we will also free it up so you can trade your 2025 pick and your 2027 pick in other deals to bring in other options. So that's, that's the leverage that I'm hoping the Bulls try try and use to get that number three pick. Honestly, it's probably more likely that Portland offers them the number twenty three pick they got from the Knicks to get to to free that up, and then maybe they can package the number three with some future firsts in a bigger deal. But do you think I, as a Bulls fan, do you think I have any chance of sending just DeRozan and company? to Portland for that number three pick, or is it going to have to be Zach? Uh, I, I would say it's got to be Levine. It's got to be. Um, so bad news, good news. Bad news, yeah, more than DeRozan and, and other parts. But the good news is, looking at it from both sides, I actually think that something basically Levine for, for the number three pick actually makes a ton of sense for both sides. Uh, I imagine there'd have to be salary filler or spare parts and future picks, whatever, but something based around the number three for Zach Levine, I actually think works really great for both teams. Um, I know Levine's got an injury history. That's the only question, but I'm really high on Levine still. I still think he's elite. And I think uh, putting him next to Lillard and, and whatnot, I, I think that would be great. And Chicago would certainly I think they'd be stoked to get off Levine's money and bring in a top pick. So I just, I really love that all, all around. I, I would, I would drive Zach to the airport if we could get the number three <laughs> pick for him. And I'm happy to keep DeRozan because he is, he sets the standard um, 
for what the other guys do, like the 4 a.m. workouts, the being on time, getting your shots up, getting your reps in. Um, it's not quite heat culture, but it's nice having an adult in the room that sets the standards for the the Patrick Williams and the Kobe Whites of the world. Um, so, right, if it's not Chicago, the other, the next one that people have been talking about is what about Cat in Minnesota? The too big exercise, you know, experiment. Maybe they want to blow it up already. I I would disagree. But maybe they do. So if if they do, what do you think about Cat going to Portland? Uh, I I think if Cat is available for that number three pick, that Portland should take it and pair him with Dame and see what they can do. Um, obviously, like you said, they I, it it would be really really hard for Minnesota to try to go another year with their two bigs over there. So it would make a lot of sense for them to. Uh, or, or obviously with, in the, with Go Bears, there's no way they can ever recruit, recoup anything close to the value they give up. So it doesn't make any sense to trade him. So um, you give up Cat, and maybe, you know, that pick gets you either a point guard or a wing for the future to go with what you got going. And that makes sense to me. And I would think from the Portland side, I would think Cat is a big enough name to, to, to justify that number three pick. So I also think that one makes a lot of sense both ways. I want I want to bring up at least one more that I've got on the list because I there have been reports obviously nothing substantiated but it's looking like Harden might really look at going back to Houston and and if he does that and Embiid says you know what I want out could could Portland package number three with like Shaden Sharp and Simons for Embiid. You're at that point for Philadelphia, you're shipping him B to the West, so you don't have to deal with him in the East. You're getting the number three pick back, Simons and Sharp. Um, if Embiid becomes available, do you think that Portland has the ammo to get it done? Um, well, I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but if I'm Portland, getting Embiid does make sense, but considering Embiid's uh, injury history, age, et cetera. And, and the fact that uh, the only time he was ever full healthy for an entire playoff run, he lost in the first round. I would think that the number three pick basically by itself or with salary filler, um, I would, I would think that that would be enough for Embiid and they could keep sharp and Simons. Am I crazy? I, I think the MVP of the league is worth more than the number three pick. I, I do. Fair. As, as I say it now, it sounds, sounds like I'm sounds like I'm stoned or something. Um. Um, I do I do hear you on the on the injury history, and you would hope that with Dane being able to carry that load, he maybe wouldn't have to exert. And now that he's one MVP, because I really think that Embiid pushed through some stuff he really wanted to make sure that he got MVP this year. I think it was really important to him. And also, let's not forget, if Philadelphia was in the West, they would have been the number one seed. They won, like they were in the more competitive conference when it came to the top of the, you know, the cream of the crop. So Embiid would be going to the inferior, like he wouldn't have to win as many games so he could take some more games off. I, for me, I, I think, I think you offer all three things and hope that that's enough to get it done. I hate giving up two, you know, potential, you know, star type, you know, not stars, but future 
high quality role guys and, and sharp. It's, and it sounds a little it's crazy like, to say, considering, considering we're talking about the reigning league MVP. It sounds a little crazy to say, but if I'm Portland, I think I draw the line at sharp. I'm high enough on him that, uh, like, like you can get me on board with giving up Simons, but I, I think I'm just keeping sharp. And I can also tell you this is kind of funny. And the uh, my uncle, uh, diehard, lifelong 76ers fan, tell you, put in context where the Cold Iron family feels about Embiid, uh, lifelong 76ers fan, and he would be stoked to trade Embiid just for the number three. He is, he is he is said to me that's where I got the idea. So um, obviously we we may be a little lower on Embiid and less optimistic about his future availability, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So what about if Atlanta called up and said John Collins and DeAndre Hunter? Um, I I think I like John Collins with Dame and Grant and beside Nurkic because he can shoot. You know he can stretch the floor whereas Nurk can't. I, I like the fit, but to me it feels like Portland would be selling just a little bit short. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they can do better than that. It's not bad. It's not bad, but I think they can do better. Now you had your own Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I just thought it, I just thought it'd be a load of fun and mate and. And depending how uh, Quinn Snyder feels about Trey Young, freaking send Trey Young for that number three pick. Atlanta Atlanta restarts that without a microscopic point guard that they have to build around on defense, and Portland can just freaking let it let it run with Lillard in, at the end of his prime and Trey, and just let them go crazy. And I guess in that scenario, you probably move Simons for something or not, where you play the three of them and just freaking go nuts with with it, and you know. Probably don't win, but maybe you you definitely you you'd you'd be super high variance. I think you'd win. I think you'd win a lot in the regular season. I don't know that you'd have enough size in the playoffs, but well, they don't anyway. They don't anyway. Right? Maybe you bet on the talent of Trey Young. Maybe. All right. This (laughs) says you've got a sleeper pick for us before before we. uh... Before okay, we move so, on so to the this, devil's advocate. Yeah, so somebody who's been rumored to be traded for like four straight years now or something, or maybe even freaking longer, and he's got one of the biggest contracts in the league, which makes things a little tricky. So there has have to be, uh, you know, maybe Portland's got to throw Nurkic and other stuff to make the salaries match. But could I could I interest you in in a backcourt of Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal? Yeah. Yeah, you could. I like that. I know. I know Bradley Beal's been like super, super loyal to this team. I think they just re-signed Kuzma. Um, with the with Kuzma probably signing with thinking that Beal's going to be around, or have they not signed yet? No, but no, but they're uh, they're expected to offer him a bit. He'll be restricted, and they can offer him a bunch, and supposedly they will. Right, and even if they don't, if he since he's restricted, restricted. Since he's restricted, they can just match anything yeah. that yeah. that they offer. So, so if they plan on keeping Kuzma around, it, it's kind of suspect to to trade Beal. But Kuzma is young enough that you can still build around him. And I'm not sure how old Porzingis is, but I think that's good value for Beal. I might I might try and get Simons also three and Simons. Um, at that point, though, yeah. I, I like the idea of Beal and Lillard um, getting together in Portland with Grant and then trying to figure it out. And 
I like the fit. I, I like all of I like all of it from your sleeper team. So that was a quality mm-hmm. choice. And, and, and from Washington, you know, again, I, obviously you love Beal. He's the career wizard and everything, but he's been rumored to be traded for years. And if you, if you get off his money and get a number three pick, a, a, a potential gem to, that you can market and roll with Guzman and whoever else moving forward, makes sense. All right, so now that we're done with that, there's one more thing. It's it's kind of related to the draft, and we were going back and forth on Devil's Advocates, and I've got I've got a couple, but Jason hit me with this one, and I immediately wanted to fight him. Like I, I think I actually sent him like like the, like the gif of um, the, the death letter like, was like, anonymous. Was that you? I, I... The, and, the, the severed horse head was that you too? And it, he he told me this before the draft lottery, and I wanted to fight him then. But with the results of the draft lottery, um, it just seemed so timely that there was no reason to not go ahead and have this be the devil's advocate of the week. So, without further ado, Cold Iron, what are you arguing on behalf of today? Well, can't. Can't talk enough about what's been going on this week with the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, they got that moment pick. They got Wemby. They've got a generational prospect coming in. They've got a uh, super, they've got what, Vassell, Devin Vassell and Kelvin Johnson and a couple other really interesting young pieces. And they've got this generational player and a generational, you know, generally considered one of the top two or three greatest coaches ever in Popovich who's, who's going to be around and he's got all the experience, he, you know, he, he brought along David Robinson and he's one of the 20 or 30 greatest players ever. And he was there for Tim Duncan and he helped Tim Duncan become a generational player. And he helped develop Tony Parker and Ginobili and all these guys. And he's adapted his style and there's basically no chinks in the armor, but I just, I, I've been imagining, or, or let me back up a second. I assumed that Popovich's future would be something like he would coach for another 10 or 20 years as the Spurs coach. And somewhere along the because, you know, because he's a vampire. Let's face it. Look at him. He's a vampire. He doesn't age, right? So I, and I think most people would, would agree, I was under the assumption that he would keep coaching for 10 or 20 years. And somewhere along there, everybody who remembered that he started coaching in the nineties would die off. And then everybody else would just like roll with it. We'd be like, well, I'm not going to question. He's just always there. Right. So up until this week, it, it never occurred to me that he wouldn't just always be, always be the coach of Spurs forever. But today I'm going to ask the ponder the question, just what if, what if, what if Greg Popovich is actually overrated? What if, what if, he is largely the product of circumstances of being gifted generational players. What if, what if he's not a vampire and he is actually aging and he's actually either on the verge of or already starting to lose his shit? What if? And if he's not, if he is fully intact, history says, while he does have a bunch of titles, 
Um, Wembyana is one player. He 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 would be in the best case scenario, you would have one Hall of Famer on the roster. History says that Popovich would then need to find two or three more Hall of Famers to actually have a chance at a title with this team. History shows, you know, three or four Hall of Famers required. Just saying. So I just want to say it's possible that either he's not a vampire and he ages and he gets bad, or two, possibly he's been overrated this whole time and been a product of his situation. That's the devil's advocate. Rude. For starters, just rude. And I don't think, I think Tim Duncan is one of the the 10 best players ever. I don't like where do you, where do you have Tony Parker? Where do you have Manu? Like yeah, like yeah, they're Hall of Famers, but they're Hall of Famers because they played with Tim Duncan and were coached by Greg Popovich and were were given a system where they could thrive. And a lot of the credit does have to go to the front office and Popovich. I I think Popovich goes out of his way to to credit the front office, to credit the players. Um before the lottery, he said the Spurs didn't deserve the number one pick because they had already had all the luck in the world with getting Robinson. Like, for me, I think the system works the way it does because Popovich is so willing to to share the success with the front office, with all these other people. And so I think he kind of breeds it, whereas Phil Jackson, he, he can get the stars and he can get the rings too, but he doesn't he doesn't breed the same culture that Popovich does with the players. He, you know, um, you don't, you don't hear former players talk about any coaches really the way they talk about Popovich. And for me, the case you might have is he might be a little overrated as an X's and O's coach. Um, he doesn't like the three pointer though. He, he has embraced it. He has verbally said he wishes the game didn't have it. Um, so, like, I, I can see that case you can make. But in terms of overall, I just – I think everything he brings to the table is just – it's the secret of winning. It's the secret of success. And it's what makes a franchise like the Spurs be able to go to the playoffs 20 straight years when it took you guys 16 to get back. Oh, he's quiet. I even muted myself so he could, I, he could rebuttal, uh, and he's just like, was I, yeah. "Was I supposed to respond to that? I was just letting you." Make oh yeah, me. like that's why I saw. That's why I muted myself. I was like, "Okay, I'll, I, I've talked enough. I've went on and on. It was finally, it was finally okay. time well, for me to I, shut I think up." You guys made your case, and you know, Popovich so, is so. How much of your chest do you believe that with wholeheartedly, or just a little bit? You can take that answer off the air. For, for the purposes of the show, I'm just making the case. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm just saying it's possible. That That, that is fair. Um, and again, you, you can make the case, but the man is still on my Mount Rushmore of NBA head coaches. So um, now that that devil's advocate, which, again, just – still you to your core. has, me, to your face, has me wounded, has me wounded. 
but that's what it's there for. That's why we play devil's advocate because it's asking those things where are we sure that what we think is, is the right train of thought? So I appreciate the thought provoking one because it certainly was. So with that, um, before we get, before we get to the show plugs, we like to do Jason cold Iron's strain plug of the week. So without further ado, what are you smoking on this week, sir? All right. So I'm still absolutely on the brand Americano. I'm still rocking them. Uh, yeah. So two weeks ago, I presented Gushers. And last week, I presented Gelinade. This week, something else is happening. Um, what I what I tend to do with my cartridges is when they start to get low, I put the put them aside and save them for later. Uh, they don't hit quite as good. And it gives me a little treat for down the line, like if I'm getting low or running out or something. So what happened this week, this week, uh, basically I was just cycling through some of my old cartridges and I didn't break out anything new. So what I'm smoking today, I can only officially say is one of three, three strains because I've got mixed, I've got three different, like the bottoms of cartridges of three different strains. So I'm going to hit you with the names of these strains. And why don't you tell me, try to come up with like one cool name to call what I've been smoking all week. So the three names were Gushers, Gelinade, and Bubba Kush. And you think of a cool name to call the three of those that we can label what I was smoking all week. Gelinade, Gushers, and what else? And Bubba Kush. Gelinade, Gushers. I got nothing, man. I got nothing. What about you? What do you do? You have one? Okay. How about? Wait. Something like. Yeah. Gushers, Gelinade, and what was the other one? Gushinade Kush. Gushinade Kush. <laughs> but as always, anytime you're anytime you're hitting Gelinade, you are a Gelinade like a felonade. So that that is one hundred percent correct. Gelinade like a felonade. And with that, sir, um, do you have anything else you want to plug before I get my plugs in and then we get out of here? Yeah, hoopsocial.com is a great site. And there's a great book called Saving Sacramento by Jason Coldiron that you can't find anywhere. So someone should go try and find it. And if if you find it and you take a picture with it, we'll let you come on the show. There's the, there's the open challenge. Fair. And I, so, bet, I bet you if somebody responds, they already have it. You I mean, still, still, they get to come on the show and they get to talk about the fact sure. that they have the ever elusive. So book, yeah, the book saving the holy grail of our show. It's the holy grail. That's what we'll call it. It's what brought us here. I mean, really, it is. Um, if I hadn't written I that nothing, book, I might I got, not have ever met our boss, and then uh, <laughs> wouldn't have met you. So <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, the WNBA season has officially started. By the time everyone is hearing this, so. League pass is 25 bucks. That's what I'm plugging. $25 league pass for the WNBA. They'll have game of the weeks on ION starting next Friday. I plan on covering that a little bit on CSC. And we're going to have a new podcast coming out called WNBA Social with Sean Holko, who is he's covered the Liberty. Um, he, he gets in the press co- or he gets in the 
the media scrums afterwards, and he's, he's all over Twitter. So that's my plug for the night. Uh, thanks again for listening to this edition of Stone Sundays, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. And enjoy. Enjoy.